Caden Co PR would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast was recorded and produced on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, and if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to another episode of The Press Office with Kate and Co PR, where we are joined today by the talented and accomplished Iantha Yu. Now, Iantha is a freelance beauty editor who has made a name for herself in the beauty industry through her exceptional work and keen eye for detail. In this episode, she shares her insights and expertise on how to make your beauty-related pitching stand out in a crowded market and the do's and don'ts she recommends when sending products to media, as well as giving us a peek into her life as a content creator. If you are an aspiring beauty writer, a beauty publicist, a content creator, or simply someone who just wants to know more about the beauty industry, then this is the episode for you. So let's get on to the interview. Hello, and firstly, Iantha, welcome to the press office with Kate and Copia. It is so nice to chat to you. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. It's been a while since I've been on a podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to chat to you. I'm a little bit of a beauty nuff, so I'm very, very, very excited to get your tips and tricks. But let's get straight into it. So your role is currently a freelance beauty editor. What exactly does your role look like? Totally. So I am currently contributing beauty editor on Body and Soul, which is in the Sunday Telegraph every Sunday. Um, I've got a page in there and you can read all about, you know, skincare and hair and teeth and body care. Beauty is like my thing. You know how everyone's got a thing? Beauty has been my thing for the last decade or so, which is, you know, showing my age a little bit. But Yeah, it's been so exciting to work with Body and Soul, sort of like on a freelance basis. So the tricky thing is that I work with the team in that I've got the page every single week, but I'm not exactly in the office. So I don't exactly see the team, you know, in meetings or sit in the office or anything. So I'm sort of like the the faraway cousin that's sort of doing one of these (laughs) You know, that that sounds very, very cool and very exciting. And I'm sure many aspiring journalists and especially aspiring beauty editors would be very jealous of your job. So how did you get to where you are today? Okay, let's backtrack maybe about 12 or so years. So I was about 17 when I first launched my own beauty blog. Now, this was on Blogspot. This was before YouTube really even kicked off and definitely way before Instagram and TikTok came about. I had a Blogspot. I was sort of just doing like bits and pieces of like fashion and beauty and lifestyle. Basically, it was just a platform where I shared everything that I liked, took photos of um, beauty products that I bought myself. This was way before I was getting send outs and being sent on trips as well. And then from there, I sort of figured out that beauty was my thing. 
I worked my way through a few agencies. I worked in PR. I worked in a media agency. And then finally, I landed a internship at Shop Till You Drop magazine when that was still around. And that at the time was Australia's largest selling fashion magazine. And it was absolutely incredible to be part of that team. Um, I worked there. Then I moved on to Women's Health. Um, key, I'm going to come back to women's health because I've actually been on the brand about three or four times in my career. Women's health, I was at the carousel. I was part of the launch team of Beauty Crew, which was Australia's number one online beauty destination, moved over to Marie Claire. And sort of in between there, I was freelancing for women's health as well because we were as part of the same family at PacMags. Came, left Marie Claire, um, went freelance, went back to doing women's health again. And now I'm at Body and Soul. So it's been quite an evolution of working across monthlies, dailies, which I call digital, and now weekly, which is super exciting. You've had quite a lot of transitions in your career, lots of little jobs here and there. It's been incredible. And I think at the very beginning, it was really important for me to work at a PR agency and a media agency and magazines. I think that really helped me figure out what I wanted to do in media. I love that you touched on shop to drop because I just interviewed Justine Cullen and I was like to her, bring it back, please bring it back. Justine actually hired me for that role way, way back. So I completely look up to her. I have so much respect for that woman. And you touched on a few times that beauty is your thing or you discovered it was your thing. Was it something that was always of interest of you? And do you think as a journalist, it's important to kind of find these niche interests that you want to explore and write about. Yeah, definitely. I think beauty for me, I always loved it simply because my mum loved it. I think that's such a cliche story. But growing up for me, I mum, you know, did not hold back on whatever beauty product I wanted I could have. I had a very thorough skincare routine since I was a really young kid. I was taking the facials when my mum was getting facials. So beauty was definitely my thing in that I had a lot of experience in it and I had a lot of touch points in it. But then getting to know the beauty industry a little bit more, I love that it seems like such a fluffy industry on the outside, but on the inside, it's actually incredibly technical in the way that there's different formulas, different ingredients, different brands. I also love the emotional touch point of what beauty, of what a beauty brand, what a beauty product can do for you. It can completely transform your day. You can have a really bad day, put on a face mask, and you can have a great day at the end of it. I love that. Face masks are definitely my thing at the moment. They're so Self-care good. Self-care is key, yeah. <laughs> Self-care is key. And I can imagine that you get sent thousands of product pitches pretty much every day. What makes a pitch stand out for you? This is going to be so controversial, but I don't rate beauty pitches, right? Wow. So, yeah, I... Not that I don't appreciate them, but it's a lot of the time I, you know, I see PRs spend a lot of time in creating like a really unique story. You know, I think this would be great for whoever that you're working for, whatever platform that you're working on at the moment. But a lot of the time they might miss the mark or they don't realize that we've already run a story on that specific topic. So I, the way I like to work with PRs is just whenever there's a new product coming out, Hey, you know, Iatha, just letting you know, we're about to send you this new skincare product. Here's an email about, you know, all the information, the caption information, key ingredients, little press release. That way, when it's filed in my inbox and I need that information really quickly, I can just search it in my inbox. That way as well, if I see a lot of things come through, maybe there's a common theme, maybe like aloe vera is a common theme, or maybe, you know, black coal eyeliner is a theme. That way that can help me shape a story more so than 
reading a pitch from a PR and thinking, okay, that's a perfect story idea, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of beauty, it is a really kind of tactile and tangible experience for you to write about a product. I'm assuming you need to try it. Absolutely. I think that's so key. I think there's a difference between um, incorporating it into my actual skincare routine and just trying it as well. I think like for me, I'm very cagey about what I use in my day and nighttime skincare routine. I think the product has to be like revolutionary for me to budge out of whatever I'm using at the moment. But I think press releases are really important as well. Like I just need to know what are the key ingredients, what makes your product completely stand out, what's the technology behind the product as well. So I think a bit of both is really important. But in saying that, I know I'm I'm probably going in circles here, you also don't want to inundate the editor on the other end because as you can imagine, how many brands are out there? You think about how many brands are in Sephora, Mecca, David Jones, Priceline. Imagine if we got sent every single product that was available on all of these online shopping platforms, we wouldn't have any space. And and with Mm. Sydney prices, Sydney rent prices, you know, (laughs) it's a bit of a nightmare. (laughs) You'd need another bedroom just to keep all your beauty products at that rate, I would think. (laughs) Which is completely hilarious because I live by myself here in Darlinghurst, but my parents live nearby in a house and my old bedroom is actually converted into my beauty cupboard. So everything actually gets sent there because I'm also, I'm never really home to answer the door. My parents are retired and they're mostly at home with a new puppy, but yeah, everything gets filtered over there. And then if there's something that really stands out, then I might take it back to my own house in Darlinghurst. That kind of sounds like every girl's dream. <laughs> With that comes a lot of problems, you know, like when I, whenever I get sent stuff, everything's packaged in a lot of cardboard or tissue paper or or bubble wrap and a box. And think about, you know, every single week, how many things we would receive and we just have to break that box down. It's a job in itself to keep up with samples. And obviously not complaining. I love my job. I love (laughs) the fact that I get sent so many products, but it does come with its own complications. I wanted to touch on that because gifting is a huge thing, especially in beauty PR or product PR. Are there any practices that you think, are, you know, best practice for PRs to be implementing? Like you said, there's so much materials going to waste after each send out. Mm. So two things I've noticed lately that I'd like to bring up. One was recently there was a PR who sent out like a Google Forms and it was, you know, fill in your name, fill in your delivery address. And then it gave us a few options of what we wanted to pick. So for example, one of the options was, do you prefer an alcoholic beverage or a non-alcoholic beverage? I thought that was really smart and really a really nice way to customize a PR send out. So Google Form, I'm all about, it's nice, or even like a type form, it's nice and easy to fill out. And the other thing I wanted to bring up over Christmas or even like, you know, Valentine's Day or Mother's Day, there's a lot of stuff that comes through, which is so amazing, but there's a massive brand name that's always slapped on it. So recently I received um, champagne glasses and they were were stunning, a beautiful rose gold color, but there was a massive brand logo etched into the glasses. And I think that defeats the purpose. I think it, it might be a nice tie-in and obviously the brand wants it known that they've sent it to you and it's, it's a nice gift. But why, you know, in a, from a practicality point of view, why would I ever want to be using champagne glasses and serve that to my friends with a massive beauty logo on it, if that makes sense? So I think creative mailers and gifting 
integral, I think, in, in, our, in our industry. You want to stand out. You want to be memorable. But doing it in a way that's tasteful is really important, I think. I think that's a good point. It's like if you are gifting something that's complementary to the product, it doesn't necessarily need to have that logo because you're going to associate it with the brand anyway. Yep. So, you know, we see a lot of like pajamas. I think that's really cute if you've got a little beauty logo etched into it. We see a lot of beach towels over summer, fluffy slippers in winter. Yeah, I I think it's a great way to be memorable. I think it's once again, doing it tastefully in a way that I will still want to be using that gift. Otherwise, it's just going to become wasteful, right? I'm going to ask an off-the-mark question, but what has been your favourite ever gift or gifting experience you've received? Wow. Oh, Anything from Hermes or Chanel obviously delights. You know, there's nothing like seeing that little orange bag on your doorstep. That's amazing. Oh, let me think. I do, I do love a silk pyjama. Well, that's a hard one. Nothing too crazy. I do have to point out, though, I am not a fan of cakes or cupcakes. Um, I call it something like the beauty bulge, that when you enter the beauty industry, you always gain a few kegs from the amount of sugary treats you get sent. I, I think the, you know what's really underrated? Like a little fruit basket or a veggie basket, or something more practical yet cute. Uh, I would like to put that out there into the PR universe. I'd like to see more (laughs) healthy treats. Especially too when it's like a massive cake just for yourself. It's so wasteful and obviously very cute, very Instagrammable of the moment. But, yeah, uh, I don't need the extra calories. (laughs) (laughs) And in terms of beauty products and the beauty world, it just grew significantly over COVID and the pandemic because people were at home and they had time to indulge in a little bit of self-care and, you know, actually spend some time researching on different beauty products and regimes. Do you think that this trend is here to stay? Absolutely. I think with knowledge being at our fingertips, it only makes sense that you would Google something, have a look at the reviews, have a look at the ingredients before you actually invest in something. And so I think the role of the journalist has changed quite a lot in that we need to be educating further and maybe providing more layers of trust. In maybe we would interview a dermatologist who would talk about more, you know, more about this ingredient, or we might provide stats into how people shop in general. I think yeah, it's not going away anytime soon. And I think, yeah, journalism just needs to be reshaped over the next few months, years. Definitely. And you also, besides from being a freelance beauty editor, you also run Peak Studio. So that's a content creation agency, which is amazing. What made you start the business? And also, how do you find the time? <laughs> oh, look, To be completely honest, I'm single, I don't have a partner, I don't have kids. So a lot of my spare time is put into the business. So I launched it in April 2020. I got made redundant for my role at Marie Claire and it was peak COVID. I just needed a way to survive and make money. Um, I've always been curious about being freelance. So I was like, I'm just going to launch a business, see how we go. Um, A huge focus for the business was doing e-commerce photography. I just realized, you know, when you go onto an online shopping platform, there's 
so much bad imagery out there. Like why do some, you know, why do images in Marie Claire and all the high end magazines look amazing? But then when it comes to e-com imagery, it looks shocking. And then there's such a big difference in what looks good and what doesn't look good. So I placed a huge focus in launching or doing e-commerce photography for beauty brands. And also I wanted that to be a really scalable part of my business where I didn't have to be there at every single shoot. It was something that I could organize in the back end, make sure we're, we're all in agreement of like the style and the angle and the shadow depth and whatever details that need to be ironed out. And then I can focus on building the other side of my business. So in the last couple of years, now that I've had Pick Studio for three years now, I would say in the last year and a half, it's sort of shifted and become more, we've had more of a focus on building beauty brands. So I do a lot of consulting for people who want to launch their own beauty brand. We do, you know, um, a deep dive into what kind of products they should launch, what kind of formulas are they should look into doing. We do branding design. So we also do packaging design. Um, that product gets made somewhere else and it can come back to us to do all the marketing. So it might be, you know, website design, copywriting, photography, videography. Basically, it's the turnkey solution for anyone who wants to launch a beauty brand. So we help them through that entire process. And it's almost like giving them the keys and being like, okay, you can start the car now. You can go for it. You would be the best person to ask for advice on a beauty brand because I think too, you would really know what is actually missing in the market right now. Yeah. You know, I have clients who are like, oh, I really want to launch a skincare brand perfect for sensitive skin. And I'm always like, oh, have we done a Google on this? Have we, you know, <laughs> have we thought about XYZ brands who are in this price category? Have we thought about these brands who have this exact formula? So I can ha- offer that really insightful information as to what's missing in the market or what are, already exists in the market, which is really helpful. Yeah, you would just be a little like Bible of beauty over there. So I think that's (laughs) awesome. But one thing I loved in particular is that on your site, you often publish insights. And one of them that I really resonated with, because I think it's really important for PR as well, was how to build a brand community. Do you mind talking about this, you know, importance of brand communities and how we can build one? Brand communities are tricky because you want to be memorable and being memorable goes hand in hand with having something completely original. So that's one thing, authenticity. You know, we, we, we use that word so much in, in marketing and media land, but it, it makes sense. You want to associate with someone who's authentic. Another thing about brand building is consistency. So when you put out one message, you know, everyone reads it or everyone sees it and they're like, okay, that's what they're about. But when you do it 10 times, a hundred times over the years, you understand that's their brand message. That's their offering. That's their positioning, right? So consistency is really important with building a community. And then also listening to who your audience is, you know, what, what are they saying to you? Oh, they might be like, oh, with your sensitive skincare brand, I actually really need a balm that does this. And then listening to them, working them through it, um, maybe creating a formula off the back of that. I think that's really important. Social media plays a huge part in it as well. They're your live audience. You know, anyone who comments or DMs you, you get back to them really quickly, answer back to all their comments. It's that community management side of things, which is super important. And also just having a personality. No one wants to be talking to a bot or someone who's, you know, a virtual assistant and, you know, can't string a sentence together. And and it's just all about, once again, that authenticity and having that consistency that's really important with the brand building side of things. Can you think of any brands that do it really well? Automatically, my mind goes to go to skincare and they've got a really great like Facebook community. Their moderators are so on top of it. And like you said, they've got a really fun and cheeky tone of voice. It's, it's like you're talking to a friend, not to a robot. 
I was going to say exactly the same thing with GoTo. They've absolutely nailed it in terms of their language and their offering, the community, even right through to, you know, I get PR releases on email from GoTo. And even the language in that is very echoing of the personality of GoTo, which I think is done spectacularly. Like every touch point has just been done seamlessly and you never feel like, oh, that, that's a little bit disjointed or, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't quite make sense, right? Yeah, they they have done such a great branding job over there. As a beauty expert, do you think you would ever venture into it yourself and launch your own beauty brand or are you okay sitting on the sidelines per se? Oh, I get asked this probably every single week. Um, I've thought about it a lot, honestly. I haven't figured out what the perfect thing is and especially with me, I know how saturated the market is, especially with skincare, right? I actually went to Tokyo and Hong Kong in January. Um, The reason why I went to both places, Hong Kong, this is where I I was born. So I had heaps of family and friends over there and I hadn't been there for about two years. But Tokyo, I really wanted to go because there was a beauty expo called Cosme that was happening around the same time that I could travel to Hong Kong. And it had been my dream to go there for years and years and years. And I just decided to go. I went by myself. And it was completely eye-opening because it was a beauty fair that talked about formulas, packaging, marketing, like everything to do with Asian beauty. And so I was, I managed to pick up a lot of ideas there. I'm not sure if any, any of them have legs. I've been thinking about it almost every day since my trip in January. Yeah, it's in the back of my mind. I haven't figured out <laughs> the perfect thing yet. Well, everyone can watch this space. That would be so cool if you did. <laughs> it also requires a lot of money. And, you know, I'm working with so many startups, seeing how many don't make it, it, it is disheartening. Like, you know, I always say to everyone, everyone has a good idea. How many times have you been like, oh, how amazing would it be to invent this or design this or have a product that does exactly this? Everyone's got those ideas, but how many people actually execute and register their brand name, come up with branding, design, packaging design, actually have enough money to create a website. And, you know, as we all know, what I was saying before, consistency is key. So if you're going to do, you know, a beautiful shoot that talks about your new skincare brand, you're going to want to do that every six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. You can't just go out and be like, this is my product and then not hear from you for, you know, for 12 months. So having that amount of money to continually put yourself out there is a bit of a headache. I always tell brands, you won't make money in the first year. Your first year minimum is putting every single dollar of profit back into your business, growing the brand. You know, it's, it's a really tough world out there. Sorry, sorry to be a bit of a downer on a Friday. <laughs> No, not at all. It is a huge investment. And I think that's so important to flag. Now, because being a freelance beauty editor and also running Pick Studio is not enough, you also are a content creator on Instagram and TikTok. What is that like? And again, how do you find time? <laughs> oh my gosh, I really struggle with time. Being a content creator is so fun. And I think when I work on so many different avenues, you know, having Pick Studio, doing stuff on my Instagram and TikTok, and then, you know, working in editorial, it really helps me only work with brands or only share content that I truly believe in, that I truly use, that I truly want to align myself with. Where I find the time, mm, this is really interesting. I do find myself working quite late at night. So say if I, you know, wake up at seven-ish, I always 
try and squeeze in an exercise class at some point. But I, I might finish work at like nine o'clock sometimes. I work nights, I work weekends. I think I love what I do though. So it's never like, oh, I've got to do this. You know, it, it says a lot that if on a Sunday I would prefer to be at home than out with my friends doing whatever. And I just want to work on whatever creative ideas that I have. I, I've learned in the last couple of years, I'm actually an incredibly creative person. And so being creative, no matter what I'm doing, even when it comes, you know, even if it's cooking, you know, even if it's something not work related, if, it, if it's creative in any form, it's relaxing to me and I really enjoy it. Do you find that you crave variety in your day as like a freelancer? Ah, yes and no. So I like to cram all of my events and coffees and meetups and sort of bits and pieces in the one day. So say, for example, yesterday I had a coffee in the morning. I had a um, PR pop in, you know, pop in event um, at like 11 ish. I had a lunch, you know, event lunch at one o'clock. And then I had a nighttime event at six. I like to cram everything the one day. Obviously, largely driven by hair washing schedule, but also I want to make sure that I'm distracted in the one day that I'm, I'm doing back and forth. I'm doing, you know, emails on the fly on the one day and that's it. I always like to shoot on a Monday. So that's out of the way it's done. And so also from peak studio side of things, um, clients know that they need to have everything finalized by say Friday morning, I've got products. And so then mo- the Monday shoot is seamless. And then we keep going through that um, routine. And also from that client's are very reliant and they, they know that say if they miss the Monday schedule, then they can go into next Monday's schedule. Like I think clients are really reliant on that. Body and soul is due every Friday. So that's a really nice um, deadline to work towards. And then everything else is like bits and pieces. I always like to, I'm, I'm shooting probably about two days a week at the moment. So it might be a Monday and a Thursday or a Monday and a Wednesday, but I always like to have one whole day. So it might be a Tuesday, it might be a Thursday where I'm in the house I don't do anything. I don't leave the house for anything or anyone. And I'm just banging stuff out on my laptop or churning out content or doing planning. I think breaking your week down into days and then as OCD that I am, I break it down into half an hour slots as well, helps me focus. And then when I've got baby deadlines, I meet them and then I can be as productive as possible. I feel like you would need to be very organized as a freelancer, especially when you kind of have your finger in three separate pies per se. Absolutely. So I've, I use monday.com a lot. I have absolutely every single project, whether that's body and soul or pick studio or content creation in there. Everything is color coordinated, of course. <laughs> um, so it starts off by, you know, brief received, shot lists created, ready to shoot um, with the client for approval, com- complete, you know, completed. I have to run it that way because there are so many little details that happen. You know, you're like, oh, wait, what? what's the shot list for that? Where's the high res image for that? Like you've just got to know absolutely every single detail that happens. I use Google tasks for my reminders, obviously Google calendar. I also had two virtual assistants um, that helped me with pick studio. And now also with all of my other freelance work, one of them does my pre-production and is my personal assistant. So she might, you know, update an experts list for me. You know, if a PR is like, I've got this doctor that you can interview that gets put into the experts list, or she might help me chase PDFs or might help me create shot lists for pick studio. And then I've got someone else who does post-production. So whenever we finish shooting for pick studio, the pictures come back to us and then he might you know organize a few of the images that need to be sent to a retoucher and all that post-production stuff happens but everyone uses this Monday board and we know exactly where what everyone's up to which is so important all the details are very very important 
Not only have we got beauty advice on this podcast and pitching to a beauty editor, we also have now got organisation tips. So thank you. Thank you, Edda. <laughs> I am Australia's Marie Kondo, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have had such a lovely time chatting to you, but it is coming to the end of this interview. So I've got five quick fire questions for you. Are you ready? Okay, let's bring it on. Okay, number one, what has been your favourite PR event ever? Oh, okay. Um, maybe not an event per se, but I my favourite brand trip that I've ever been on, two come to mind. One was my very first press trip when I was about 18 and I got taken to Taiwan with MAC Cosmetics and it was an entire week of staying at the W Hotel. It was like no expenses spared. There were only like a couple of days of like conferences that you had to go to, but even then the conferences weren't anything serious. It was like just hearing from the biggest makeup directors of MAC Cosmetics and learning about the newest trends and then going out to beautiful bougie dinners. And the second one was probably about Four years ago, I got taken to the south of France with Bioderma and that was just beyond. Like we flew into, I think we flew into Nice, we stayed in Cannes, we flew helicopter to Aix-en-Provence. Like it was just like, this is a dream. That was not quick fire. I'm so sorry. That was very long winded. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds incredible. I'm getting lost in thinking about going to the south of France right about now. That sounds lovely. Mm. (laughs) What is your favorite podcast besides from this, of course? Of course. Um, I'm going to say a non-beauty one. I actually, to be completely honest, do not listen to any beauty podcasts because when I listen to podcasts, it's relaxed time for me. I don't want to think about anything to do with the industry. So I actually listen to a lot of equity mates. I think um, being financially literate is really important in our day and age, especially in this economy. We need to learn about how to manage your money and investing. And so I listened to that. Um, I started listening to that to maybe about five or six years ago when I really wanted to get into investing in stocks. And I learned so much. And what is your favorite social media platform? Mm, it's a tie between Instagram and TikTok, but I'm going to say TikTok only because of how many hours I spend on that daily. It is seriously addictive and I, I wish I never jumped into that platform, but here we are. I'm the same. I could be there all day and I wouldn't even know about it. Uh, what is your most visited website? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is so boring, but probably my Google Drive because OCD, <laughs> but also Zero. So I'm not sure if you know much about Zero, but it's the um, accounting platform that I use. Um, oh, so I, I have one accounting platform that you know is for content creation and Pick Studio and freelancing, and I am on there daily churning out invoices and you know doing the, all the glamorous things to do with running a business. And my very last question for you, and always my most controversial. What is your screen time? So I actually didn't know anything about screen time until you asked this question. You sent me the questions like yesterday and I just had to figure out what the hours were. I'm on a Samsung, so I feel like it's an iPhone thing to know what your screen time is. 6.5 hours. Isn't that disgusting? That's not too bad. No, that's oh, really? actually not that bad. No, okay. I think I think Justine's was like 14 or something ridiculous. <gasps> oh, my gosh. She must be on her phone all day doing emails. Like yeah. She must be on the go all the time, whereas yeah. I rely a lot on my laptop. Yeah, no, that is – that's fine. That's acceptable. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> I was very nervous about one, that one. I think that was the most nerve-wracking question out of your entire list of questions. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me. It has been an absolute pleasure and I can't wait to see you maybe launch a beauty brand in the near future. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. 
Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co PR.